Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rambo, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out to what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. We are going this weekend, and I'll try to go through some of this. I'm going to take you, the ones of you that have been here for the past four years, that have diligently studied. We're coming along as a group. Some of you, bless God, could uh, use to come along a little better, all right? But we're coming, all right? And... We are building, and for those of you that have been here for the past four years, you understand that we are building. The, the, the Scripture says line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's the way that we're doing this. That's the way I'm instructed uh, by the Lord God to do. And what I'm going to do this weekend, I'm going to add to you that which you have had the previous four years. In other words, and so you say, well, I just started this week, and that's all right. You can catch up, and you will. But for those of you that have been with us for four years, that have studied the material, you're going to find something out this weekend. I'm, uh, I'm about to give you a key to the kingdom of God. I'm about to give you a key that can bring you out of your sin, okay? If you can adhere and you can receive what we're about to do this weekend. Your life is about to change in a way that, bless God, that you won't even know yourself in time. The Lord God said, Be ye holy as I'm holy. The church's idea of holiness has never been the same as God's idea of holiness, all right? Usually what we're into is want to, to, to have the anointing of God to work in our lives but we want to be able to do all the sin we can do and still have the anointing work. That's the way it works, folks. At the same time, we miss some things, all right? Now, I want you to start with me this evening in Matthew, the 7th chapter, and the 13th verse. Matthew seven, thirteen. The name of this weekend, the headline of it anyway, is the fear of God. Now, the church taught us one thing about fearing God, all right? But God has a whole different definition of this than that which we've been taught, and so what we're going to do is give you God's definition this weekend, all right? And try to put to sleep some of this stuff that, bless God, that we have learnt. Because, you know, I've told you from the beginning that the problem with religion is there's too many things when you get under a real prophet of God that you have got to rip out of your heart that you took for truth. My place as a prophet, as you've heard me say over and over again, is to challenge you to make real certain what you believe is the truth. All right? Sometimes it makes people mad, but I'm always saying that gives you a beautiful chance to get glad. Amen? Amen. Matthew seven thirteen. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. 
because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life. Now listen, and few there be that find it. Christianity has taught us out of the Word of God, which the Word says, if you will confess out of your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the Son of God. All right? Then we what? We, re- we enter in, or we can enter into heaven. We will enter into heaven. Now, some of the sects of Christianity believe that, bless God, after you have prayed that prayer and you have received eternal life through Christ, that, bless God, that you cannot ever again sin. Now, I don't know I'm going to ask for a, 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 a raising of the hands, but most of you in this room, and maybe all of you in this room, have heard that. In other words, bless God, once this happens, <laughs> you're home free. You go out here and live like the devil the rest of your life, and you're still going to get to go to heaven. Now, if you believe that, if you'll be kind enough when you leave uh, Sunday to follow me over to, to Mount Carmel, there's a bridge. It's the Wabash uh, uh, River Bridge. I will sell you a portion of that. All right? Don't try to collect on it, but I'm, you know, I'll sell you a portion. Because what we didn't understand when Yeshua made this statement, the way isn't wide open and it's not wide, it's narrow. Few. Few are going to find that narrow way. We have thought it's wide open. The mistake that, bless God, that as you have studied the material that this prophet has given to you now for four years, the church never was able to truly connect the coming of the Messiah. Of course, the Jews still haven't connected that. They will. But they were never able to understand that he was not the end of a covenant and the beginning of another covenant. He was a continuation of that covenant. That his sole purpose of coming to this earth was to do what God never implemented into the law to do, was to give us eternal life. All right? He came and he fulfilled. He did, and in fact, it says, the Scripture says that he did what the law couldn't do. He gave us that eternal life. Now, yeah, he gave us the power, the authority of his name, and then he sent back to us the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost, which will lead and guide us into all truth under a prophet, okay? See, again, the Charismatics did what? Well, we don't need anybody. We don't need to go to church. We don't need to be taught. The Holy Ghost teach me. That's just saying, familiar spirits, come on in and take me for a ride. And they did. So, and when you really begin to see and begin to realize, why would he say that? He wasn't talking to a bunch of people here that were heathens. He was talking to the children of God. He was trying to warn us about something. He was trying to tell us about something. That, bless God, that this thing is not a big, wide-open gate and everybody that come through. He said, few is going to find that narrow way. Now, that, that, that was enough years and years and years ago to make me begin to fear. What is it about the thing about fear, anyway? Well, we'll get to that. Let's go to Matthew nineteen twenty nine, Because he makes again, he makes again 
a statement. One verse, Matthew nineteen twenty nine, and every one that hath forsaken that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall in, inherit eternal life. He said everybody that does this, there is a forsaking. There's a forsaking. There's also a forsaking of sin. And I have said over and over and over again to you, your problem isn't the devil, it isn't darkness, your problem is you. It's a sin in your life that's keeping you from the things of God. God is more than capable. He is more than willing to give to you everything in his kingdom. But he has these rules that he set down. And somehow the church came along and said, Jesus has come. All right? Now, we no longer pay any attention to the Tanakh, which the church decided to call the Old Testament. That sounds old, doesn't it? And we believe that. Most of you that's in this room tonight believe that until you decided that, bless God, you wanted to listen to some truth. Now, you may not have, in the beginning, uh, with your open arms, embraced this prophet, but, bless God, I have taught you truth. I spent a weekend explaining to you about Paul, the apostle. I let you see him through the eyes of a prophet. I let you understand where he was coming from, and I showed you where he kept the law. Then all of a sudden, bless God, it was like light bulbs in the Spirit began to, began to come on. And I can see, as though in the Spirit realm, it, it, you light up. And I'm going, they're getting it, Lord. They're beginning to understand what they never understood. So we begin to understand that we have to forsake everything. Now, not only mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and next-door neighbors and, and countless whatevers, and take up the cross and follow him. We also have to forsake sin. We have to forsake sin. See, again, most of us have believed that when we sin, all we have to do is say, Father, forgive me in the name of your Holy Son, Yeshua, and we're forgiven. Yes, and you are. But you didn't understand until you got around this prophet, most of you anyway. The Scripture also teaches that there's a penalty for that sin. You're still going to pay the penalty. And that's the reason why most of Christianity can't get blessed. Because they're into sin, and they think because they said, Oh, Lord, in the name of your Son, Yeshua... Forgive me of this sin. They can just go right back out and they can sin again. They can go right back out and do whatever they're doing. And bless God, everything's okay. But here's what the problem is. If you ask for forgiveness, what you are to do is to what? Walk away from the sin. That's what you do. If, if, if you sin, ask to be forgiven. Don't go back and crawl into that hole again. And sin again, because let me, as this sin thing builds up, 
all right? And you keep doing it over and over and over again. Now, how long does the Lord God make you pay for the penalty of that sin? I don't know. God does. Could it be a week? Could it be a month? But it's not forever. Why? Because he says, I'm a merciful God. Say, thank God. Thank God. He's merciful. Because he is. Because if he wasn't, guess what? None of us could make it, could we? Thank God for his mercy. But these sins, unbeknownst to us, to the church, they begin to stack up. And before you know it, you're having sin, maybe much further from here to that wall, and you're paying the penalty for these sins, and all the time you think when you went and said to the Lord, God, forgive me in the holy name of your son, Yeshua, that there's no penalty. And as that penalty, bless God, keeps building up. Some of you are still paying penalty for sin because you can't come out of the sin. And the, here's what I hear. Now, uh, Prophet Deckard, I've been keeping Sabbath. I've been keeping New Moon, and I, I've been keeping the, the festivals and 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 and, 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 and huh? Wah, 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 wah. God's done you wrong. No, he hadn't. You haven't figured out the equation. You've not figured out how this thing works with this living God. He's a mighty God. He is able to deliver us from every situation in our lives. But let me tell you what he's not able to do. He's not able to keep us out of sin. And when you grow up believing that, bless God, because you said, Jesus, come into my heart, all right? Believe with your heart. Confess with your mouth. Believe with your heart. And believe that, bless God, that's all there is to it, and you're going to get to heaven. There is going to be a lot of sad people on that day. There's going to be a lot of gnashing of teeth, bawling and squalling, as I'm always saying. Wrong teaching and wrong believing, folks. When it comes to eternal life, it just ain't worth it. You understand where I'm going? It's not worth it. So you're busy because you can't come out of the sin, and, and all these penalties are backing up, if you will, backlogged. And then you come to the prophet. Well, I just don't understand it. Well, I've been in this thing for two years, and it's not working out for me. Honey, you could be in this thing 20 years and it not work out for you. If you don't get yourself in line and understand something, God demands holiness. It's not an elective. He doesn't leave it out there as an elective. Well, God lets you do what you do. That's the reason you're in sin. That is the reason you're in sin. Oh, I've, so many times I've thought, God, if you just hadn't done this this way, God, if, 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 every time I sin, if you let lightning strike from about there to that wall, I wouldn't sin no more, would you? No. But he didn't do that, did he? No, no, he gave us free choice. And you choose. You choose life or you choose death. And that's what this is all about. Most of us have been making the wrong choices for too many years and not even knowing it. Most of us do not understand the glorified Christ. 
Most of us don't understand that, bless God, you don't have to live in a world of misery. You can have peace. You can have, bless God, health. But you have to comply to what God said. And Yeshua said what? He said, look, he said, I've only come to do the will of my Father. What I'm speaking to you, this is what he's saying to me. I'm not, these aren't my ideas. These are the Father's ideas. Keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. That in itself has drawn a line. And, and for those of you that was here four years ago, I told you then we were drawing a line in the sand that was going to absolutely split the church of the known world completely in two. We have enemies. Oh, yeah, the devil. No, no, the church. The people that are supposed to love me and you, huh? Hate you and I. The brothers and sisters that are supposed to love us, hate us. Now, let's see where that's covered at in the Scriptures. Let's see. God never called us to judge. He called us to love. And most of us became judges. Not only did we become judges, we became sores of discord of that judgment. And never went back. Now, listen now, because I'm taking you a little deeper here. We never went back because we didn't know to go back and say, Father, forgive me for my judgmental spirit and the sowing of discord which you call an abomination unto you. So if you never ask to be forgiven for those things, guess what? Oh, you're a sharp group. You're still paying for the sin. Well, how did this happen? How, how is it that we didn't know? Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2, 14. How is it that we didn't know? I've said there's going to be a lot of people just downright aggravated at their pastor when they get to heaven. A lot of them are probably going to be aggravated before they get there, all right? Because what if they forgot to tell you? No, I, no, 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 they didn't forget to tell you. They told you everything they knew. The problem is they didn't know everything to tell you. Pastors cannot operate in these kind of anointings. They're not called to it. Prophets have revelation knowledge. Pastors have knowledge as comes through reading books, through whatever script, but they, they cannot reach over into that realm. They can't reach up into the throne room for the knowledge of God. Why? Because he says, I'll do nothing. Never will he do anything except he first reveal his secrets unto who? His prophets. Not the pastors, not the teachers, not the evangelists, the prophets. Now, Give you time. Second Peter, second chapter, fourteenth verse. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Listen to this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, dear God in heaven. Some of you tomorrow night need to get in the line because you've you, you got a terrible problem with the flesh. Mm. Some of you, some of you, have looked upon flesh. Some of you are spending too much time in pornography. Okay? 
You're in the right building this weekend. Mm. They can't not cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covenant practices. Cursed children. He said they're cursed. Now, if something is cursed, and this is a fair question, can it be blessed? No. You, ter- you choose, the Lord said, you choose cursings or you choose blessings. But when you are cursed through God's Word, there's no way for you to be blessed. He said, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way. Now, he's gotten away from the adultery thing at this point, and he's just back going to the fact of saying, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam and the son of Bozar, who love the wages of unrighteousness. Who loved, well, I don't love sin. Well, then get out of it. If you don't love sin, get away from it. Now, some of you, and I'm loving this, some of you even now are searching. Well, you know, there's just some, I I know I'm into sin, but there's just some things that, boy, it's just, it's just not, it's just not that easy. Well, let me tell you something. God didn't talk about easy. He said, forsake, forsake, turn away from, come out from, and don't go back to. What draws you back into that? All right, temptation. Why are you being tempted? Because I'm going to tell you something. Darkness knows about your flesh. Darkness knows how to pull your chain. Darkness knows what is in this room tonight that some of you have fasted, some of you have prayed much to get out of your lives. And guess what? Tonight, they're no more out of your life than they were five, ten years ago. Is God not in heaven listening to you? Oh, my, yes, He is. But there's not anything that God can do for you because of His Word's sake. I'm always saying, God does not pity us, brothers and sisters. He doesn't feel sorry for us, brothers and sisters. Why? Because He made the provision for the entirety of our lives and of our families and everybody on the face of this earth. We never found the key to this thing. We have never been able to bless God, grasp on to enough truth to bless God to walk away from the sin in our lives. And now we are at the time and the hour that God is raising up the greatest army spiritually that's ever been on the face of this earth since the time of the book of Acts. He's raising up an army, an army that's going to do all kind of miracles, an army that, bless God, is going to stomp the devil from north to south to east to west, an army that's going to go out looking for a good fight with Satan. And guess what? When he sees you coming, he's going to move over another block. He doesn't want to tackle people like me. Why? Because I beat him every time, not part of the time. Every time I beat him, I learned how to work the works of God. Some of you are beginning to learn how to work the works of God. And I'm excited about that. I am excited for your sake. I'm excited as a mentor. 
that you are learning. And you're doing things. Some of you just sat and told me things in that office that I'm going to tell you the church would give anything they own to be able to walk where you're walking right now. Why? Wrong teaching, wrong believing. Somebody can't teach you something they're not lived in, walked in, can't do it. And what he's saying here, as he's going through this thing, and he's saying, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. See, that's what I'm always saying. I'm going to tell you something. God can use anything. Okay? 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried away uh, or with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Well, he was, ta- he, he was talking about the heathen. No, he wasn't. He was talking about those in the church that loved the wages of unrighteousness. That's what he was talking about. The church is never connected. Why? Because, bless God, we prayed the prayer. He come into our hearts, into our lives. We have eternal life. Now we don't have to worry about it. Oh, but you do. Oh, but you do. I am very sad for the people that are going to burn in hell because they got around wrong teaching and then had wrong believing. Folks, this isn't a shoe-in. Once saved, always saved is not what's going on here. This is a long, long row that we all must hoe with our hoes in righteousness. Now, the word fear, okay, and, and here's what this means. Took it right out of the dictionary. Frighten, to feel fear in oneself, to have an reverential awe of God. All right, we're going to talk about that. Go back to that. To be afraid of, expect with alarm, danger, and reason for alarm. Now, the charismatics were terrible when they came on the scene. Now, were they of God? Yes. That, that movement was of God. The Pentecostals would not let the teachers in. There is a five-fold ministry, not a three-fold ministry. A four-fold ministry. There's a five-fold ministry. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So God went around the charismatic, I mean the Pentecostals, and began to anoint and began to draw people, just like he's drawing people now to this movement. That's what, see, God does a heart thing in all of us. Some of you, bless God, well, there's nobody sitting here, I don't think, that even ever knew me five years ago. And now all of a sudden you're here. Why are you here? God has called you. God has spoken to your heart. God is guiding your footsteps. And you may not even know it, but he is. But the charismatics came along and they said this. Now, you you don't fear God, you reverence God. Okay? Now remember, Jesus became our big brother through that movement. Come on, some of you need to shake your heads. I know you were around. And me and Jesus were what? Best buddies? Okay? No, Jesus is not your best buddy. He's God. All right? He's God. And yet we tried to bring... (laughs) We tried to bring the Son of the Father down on the same level with ourselves. Shame on us. 
He will never be on our level. He will never be, bless God, our best buddy. He's God. And He deserves to be praised and to be glorified as God. And yet at the same time, oh no, you know, you don't fear and you don't tremble. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting where you sit. I, I hadn't even started in the ministry, a long way from it. But I heard them talk, and I thought, whoa, boy, this is all right. Jesus will be my best buddy. Hey, Jesus, if you need something, Jesus, I, I, I want a new car. Jesus, I want a million-dollar lottery ticket. Jesus. And then we got into this thing, speak it and receive it. Now, principally, by the Word of God, that works. Spiritually, I mean, scripturally, by the Word of God, there's a lot more goes to it than that, okay? Half-truths will get you in a lot of trouble. So we began in the charismatic movement to bless God to what? We began to speak it into existence. Well, the Bible talks about But the problem was, folks, there was something wrong here. Our getting was lustful. We weren't doing that to please the Father. We were doing that to get for ourselves. And after all, if, if we memorized enough Scripture, we gave enough money in the plate, hallelujah, all of our problems are over. Some of you even said praise God in some of them services. Amen. I did. And then I found something out. On one of those late nights, you ever been there? You're sitting there and there's nobody around. You may have got up and sat in your best easy chair at the house and you're looking kind of out the window, and all of a sudden, you've got to be truthful with yourself. All of a sudden, you have to examine what you're believing, what you're doing, and then you've got to understand it ain't, bless God, how much money that goes into the plate. It isn't just a matter of time and how many scriptures you memorize. It's if, in fact, You are attached to the Lord God 100% through His Word. That's the reason the Word doesn't work in your lives like you want it to work. If God is attached to you 50%, guess what? You, at best, you're going to get 50% blessed. At best. Well, that's not good enough. All right? That's not good enough. So the, the charismatic movement got us to reverence the Lord. And I remember, no, you don't fear and tremble. There is no fear and trembling in this thing. They, boy, they didn't want us afraid. Now, the Pentecostal movement on the other side, they preached the fear of God. As a matter of fact, to show you how this thing was so opposite, not only did they preach the fear of God, not to any great extent, only to this extent, That if you sin, you lose your salvation. I've been in Pentecostal churches preaching. Get done and have the healing line. And bless God, everybody in the church is up front. I mean, I'm sorry for salvation. Everybody in the church is up front. And bless God, as I often have happened to me, the Lord God spoke and said, these people are all saved. I said, well, what are they doing up here? The Lord said, ask the pastor. I said, Pastor, I said, your whole church is up here. I said, how, co how come they're up here? To I said, these people are saved. Well, he said, you know, they, they, they were, but they sinned this week, and they, they got to they re-up on their salvation. 
They're going to have to be saved again? Come on, folks. Now, some of you people have been around enough to know I'm telling you the truth. Somebody say amen. amen. And so we went through all of that. Those people didn't know, and most of them today don't know whether or not they're saved or they're not saved. Which brought the charismatic people to the idea of reverence instead of fear. They were smart enough to understand and know, that can't be right. You can't be saved one day and not saved the next day. You can go to, you can go to hell being saved. Okay? Hmm. That got to rise out of things. The fear of God. What brings it to the place it is? So let's start in Genesis, the third chapter. While you're turned there, or after you turn there, or after you have turned there, maybe that's the best. I didn't give you the definition for reverence. The dictionary says honor or respect felt or shown, profound, adoring, awed respect, used as a title for a clergyman. Now, now boy, you, does that sound good to all go together? Used as a title for a clergyman. Reverence. Reverend. Okay? Genesis 3, starting 1. Now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the, every tree of, of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. That doesn't sound like being as gods, does it? See, the devil always promises that which he can never bring forward, all right? And they, they heard, now listen, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They were afraid, weren't they? All right? Now, stop and think about this for a minute. Why were they afraid? Adam had spoken with the Lord, where the Lord had spoken to Adam, Okay? Now, Adam was instructed. Now, I'm not, girls, I'm not going to go into this, but uh, we're going to have a, a, a weekend that most of you probably, at the end of the Friday night service, you, most of you ladies are going to go home on us. I don't know whether to block the doors with chains. No. I keep threatening that, and I, 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 I you know. But Adam had been contacted by Yahweh, the Lord God himself. And when they saw that they were naked, okay, and when they heard him walking in the garden, guess what? 
Hmm? Adam was afraid. Why was he afraid? Was what, now, 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 look here as we, we just go just a little bit, a little bit further, and it says, In the cool day, and Adam and his wife themselves from the presence of the Lord, God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam, unto Adam, and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Why was he afraid? He was afraid because he was told by the Lord God himself that those trees in the midst of the garden were not to be eaten or touched. Now, we know he blamed it on the wife, but isn't that what we usually do, guys? (laughs) It's the woman thou hast given me, Lord. Don't be too quick with that one. They were afraid. Now, that wasn't they were reverencing God. They were afraid. They were shaking afraid. And my, 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 my. The consequences, bless God, are still known this day. Because they did what? They did contrary to what God told him. Now, the key here is to understand something. There are people that have walked the face of this earth, and there are people walking the face of the earth, even this day, that bless God, that have met the Lord God, maybe not face to face, in my case through the angels, and bless God, have been instructed from his throne room through those angels, don't do this, don't do that. And I've had that often through all these years of ministry. Now, when, when that is brought at, at, to me, what, what happens if I'm foolish enough to go ahead and do what the, that angel comes and tells me not to do? Well, I'm going to tell you something. So far in all these years, I've adhered unto the angel. Okay? Why? Because I feared him. I have the same thing inside of me that Adam had inside of him. Did Eve have that? Uh Uh-uh. No, I'm sorry. She heard, but she didn't have direct contact with God. Why did the serpent come to Eve? You already know, don't you? God didn't come to Eve. God came to Adam. The serpent knew that he could beguile her because she didn't have revelation knowledge of the commandments of God. And that's what that's all about. The problem in the church, we did a lip service and a heart service, okay, to salvation. But in that, we never came to the point, place, and time until now of understanding you're going to have to fear this God. You're going to have to fear Him. He demands that we fear Him, and we're going to show you in the Scriptures this weekend. We want you, we want you to understand what a mighty God He is, the provision that He's made, the commandment that He's brought. It isn't a joke. It's not a game. It's life and it's death. 
Some of you are dying on the vine because you don't know to fear Him. Because if you'll fear Him, you'll walk away from your sins. Why? You don't want that to happen to you that you know is about to happen. So the best thing is just don't do it. The best thing is just stay away from it. Kind of back to what I said earlier. If God had just striped about from here to that wall of lightning every time you mess up, you wouldn't mess up. Why? Fear! Fear would keep you from doing that. But see, when we're taught not to fear Him, but to reverence Him, there's no fear to be concerned about. Why? Because all we got to do is say, well, Father, forgive me in the name of your Son, Jesus. Good to go. Good to go what? Right back into the same sin that we just came out of. Here we go. Hello, sin. But when God came, remember me telling you back four years ago, you will learn to walk in holiness and righteousness. You will learn to walk away from your sin. Because when it comes right down to it, there's no other, there's no other way. There's no other choices. There's no other game. God made the rules up. Follow the rules and everything will work. Get away from the rules and guess what? Things are going to get tough. Let's go to Genesis 6. Genesis 6.13. Now, again, I was so kind to put this all in line so we can just use our fingers to do the walking through the Scriptures, all right? Genesis back to Revelation before the weekend's out. Genesis 6.13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God said to Noah, Direct one-on-one relationship. Okay? Now, in the seventh chapter, the first verse, got a lot of one-versers here, so hang on. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house unto the ark, for thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. He said, I've seen righteousness in you. God spoke to Noah. When this all comes down to it, and he told him to build the ark, to bring in all the animals, okay, put them in the ark, take care of them, told him that he had established his covenant with him and with his seed after, after him, why did Noah build an ark? I know I, I've heard Donna when she teaches into some of these areas talking about what Mrs. Noah, which I always thought was kind of cute to call her that, well, after all, we didn't have another name, okay? Uh, how it was that, bless God, that, I mean, after Noah being out all day and hearing from the Lord, and he comes in, he says, honey, it's going to rain. What's rain? Well, it, it's, it's going to flood. What's a flood? See, they didn't have it. The earth was watered by a mist in that time. They'd never seen rain, thus saith the Scriptures. They'd never felt it. They'd never tasted it. They didn't know what it is. Or was. He said, yeah, and he said, we're going to build an ark. Mrs. Noah's wondering if he had had too much of that potato juice. Huh? <laughs> Noah, moving with fear, built the ark. Why? 
because he had met God on a one-on-one basis, and he knew that's what he had to do. See, once you understand and, and you have that opportunity, and, and I know, brothers and sisters, not everybody walking the face of this earth today is going to have an angel come and visit them. Not going to have a visitation uh, of, of however, whatever, and whenever, and I know that. But what I'm wanting you to understand, that those that walk in, and those of, I can only point to me, that now have an awesome fear of this God. Because we know that he's real. Well, I know he's real. Most of the churches are is hoping they're going to get to heaven because they did lip service and heart service to a prayer. Do you have any idea how many people aren't sure that they're going to get to heaven? Just prayed that prayer. That's how poor of a job we in the ministry have done for the people. They hope that there's a heaven. How many times I've had people say, when I, I hope there's a heaven. What do you mean you hope there's a heaven? You don't know that there's a heaven? You don't understand the blessed God after you give up the ghost? That you're about to go back in the same form and from which you had come, which is a spirit being. They don't know that. They don't understand that. And I was standing, I go, surely you know. Well, I hope. Folks, hope isn't going to get you anything with God. Hope's not going to take you anywhere with God. You've got to know that you 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 know that He's God. You've got to know. You've got to realize that. It's got to come to pass. Go to Genesis 12, first, first verse. Genesis 12, 1. Praise be to God. After all, and, and I want to tell you, we thank all of you that fasted for three days and three nights. Bless your hearts. You stimulate the anointing when you do that with us. It's called a corporate anointing. And we're beginning, after four years, to accumulate some uh, 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 anointing that, bless God, is corporate, meaning with you, tied with this prophet. And... and that means something very important. We'll get to that. Maybe I can talk about this weekend. I doubt it because I've got too many scriptures, but we'll, we'll get to it. There we go. And I said Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, what? Who said? The Lord. The Lord said to Abram, get thee out of the thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Hmm. Boy. That's quite a thing. God shows up and God speaks. And oh, Abraham, oh, Abram would become Abraham. He's going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Wouldn't you? Of course you would. But there were stipulations, and, and Abraham ran into a number of obstacles, okay? Now, when you jump over here uh, in the 15th chapter, the first verse, it said, after these things, which the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, 
I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house and my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, This shall not be thine heir. The Arabs, okay? They think they are, but no, they're not. Not with God. And he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. God spoke to Abram. Now, as we get over into the 17th chapter, now now the Lord straightened Abram out, didn't he? Abram had this wild idea. Actually, his wife, Sarah, had this wild idea. Uh, the, the bus God said she couldn't have kids. You know, they'd use the, you know, the servant. Now, that didn't work out. And in the 17th chapter... He says, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord peered into Abram and said, he spoke to Abram, okay, and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me, and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Be thou perfect, be thou whole, be thou mature in me, all right? Walk upright before me in that righteousness thing. And he said, if you'll do that, Abram, he said, I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any, name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant. Wow. God spoke to Abraham. To be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And, and God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. God spoke to Abraham. Did Abraham know that God was speaking to him? Absolutely. And in turn, bless God, did he realize that there was going to be some tangible, tangible laws set in place in order for him to have this everlasting covenant. Absolutely. He made it very, very, very clear. Very clear. So when the time came, okay, okay, let me see. I think I want to use this. Let me see if I can get there. Okay, let's let's go to 18th of Genesis 1 and 2. I got some. I got ninety some scriptures. I'm, I'm I'm trying to listen here. So the Lord's trying to tell me, 
what we need to do and what I can just say for another time, all right? And the Lord appeared, 1 and 2 of 18, unto me in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent of the door in the, in the heat of the day, and lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Now, why did he do that? Because he had been spoken to by the Lord, and he knew, all right, that what? They were angels of the Lord. 20, uh, Genesis 20, 11. And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of the Lord is not in this place. Now listen. And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of the Lord was not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Now, I hope you all know the story and you've studied enough because we're not going to go into that. He was hoping that the, the, the fear of God was there so that these men, you know, would, was going to realize for the fear of the Lord not to take his wife. And he lied about the wife, said it was his sister, she was his sister, and then, you know, the rest of the story, I hope. So <clears throat> what's this about? He said, surely the fear of God. So here we find him saying, why would he say, surely the fear of God is here? Why? Because he understood the fear of God. Why did he understand? Because the Lord God spoke to him, and he knew that he was being dealt with by a supernatural being called God. And he knew that it was so profound in its own way, in its own right, that it wasn't to be messed with. In other words, it was an awesome thing. Now, he goes on down in, in, in uh, bless God, uh, Genesis 22, the first verse. And it came to pass after these things that the Lord did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, or here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon uh, one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Well, that, that couldn't be God. Well, well, God would never tell me to go sacrifice my son that, I, that, that he gave me, and that's got to be the devil. I rebuke you, Satan. Is that what he did? No. Why would he have taken that young lad, Isaac, up on the mount, knowing that he was about to have to sacrifice that which he had never had unto the Lord God? and make him a burnt offering to boot. Burn him up. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer request. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible.